On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. It is uh, six minutes past 11 on this Monday, the 4th of September, and it is now time for Monday's Experts, and we're looking forward to chatting to my guest today, Ron Stubbs, and finding out a little bit about the, the story behind the name. He joins us now, Ron, on the line. Good morning, mate. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Great to have a chat with you, uh, because I wanted to find out a little bit about your history or career uh, we obviously chat regularly about horses heading towards country championships or Kosciuszko's or uh, maybe even uh, local Aubrey Cups etc but um, yeah, I wanted to find out for our listeners a little bit about your particular story first off where did you grow up Ron? I grew up in Hay out in the Riverina and um, I did our schooling out there and uh, road track work and uh, just progressed from there and um, then was about 17, I think we moved to, well, I moved to Melbourne and spent a short time with Angus Armanisco. Right. And then progressively moved back to Hay, and that's where I started my training career. When you were at school, uh, I mean, and what was school like growing up in Hay? Was it, uh, were you more interested about what was happening outside the classroom than inside the classroom? Yeah, I think so. Typical horse trainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, education wasn't the strongest, and uh, it... Um, we always had a form guide, and um, you know, racing was sort of foremost in our mind. But um, but they were good times. What about uh, that time in Hayam and your family? Were there horses always around, or was it something that was picked up um, along the family uh, way? No, actually, my father originally was from Melbourne, and he had no horse background at all. But um, then. Um, uh, with me and my brother, we um, both ended up with ponies and went through the uh, pony club. And, um, and then the natural progression in those days was uh, to start riding track work, um, which we both did, and got our amateur jockey's licence. And uh, just kept progressing from there, just, yeah, uh, just kept climbing the training ladder. So when you... Um... When you were, you know, I guess, uh, learning to ride or being at Pony Club back there in Hay, what was it that you enjoyed about being around the horse? Oh, gee, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, um, you know, it's just horses, I guess. It's just, um, it was always an interest we had. And, um, and yeah, there's, I don't know what drove it. Um, it's just ingrained, or ingrained, I think, Um and yeah, we just loved doing it, and um, basically just did it all our lives. Yeah, was it the the type of animals? That, because I mean, I'm not saying that that's all there was available to you in hay and at the time, but it, it, I guess one of those things is that uh, you know if you if you do something you don't like it or you don't enjoy it, you inevitably probably don't continue on right for the rest of your life. So you must have felt that connection with the animal. Oh no, that definitely, uh, without doubt. You know, it wasn't something that sort of our mates did and we followed them. It was just something that we did ourselves and um, and just kept doing it. Yeah, exactly right. We're chatting with Ron Stumps this morning, by the way. Ron is my guest on Monday's expert. So, Ron, you're growing up in Hay. You've you've mentioned there your brother. Now you're referring to Peter, aren't you? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now Peter, of course, uh, and yourself. So you've you've gone through. When you moved to Melbourne, what was the catalyst for you moving to Melbourne? Was that just a conversation you had with the parents and you decided to 
head that way? No, actually, Peter, um, he went initially to Angusar Nesco uh, from school, and um, he spent a short period there, and um, then he um, sort of went off to and um, joined Australia Post. Then when I'd finished school, I just followed the same path. And, um, yeah, we worked there for a long time, but, um, gee, there's some good horses there at the time, and, yeah, um, things you never forget. Yeah. What did you learn when you went went south? What were some of the things you picked up? Oh, gee, that's difficult to say. I know the horses got hot water in the wash and uh, we got cold water in the quarters. Um, (laughs) But uh, outside of that, that's the one thing that stuck in my mind. You would have been dealing with a different type of animal, though. I mean, it would have been much different to probably the quality of animal that you were dealing with in hay and around the Riverina at the time. Oh, that's right. You know, the Angus Armesco in those days had the who's who of the horse flesh. And, um, you know, it's just a pleasure to work with them. When you were working with them, uh, what were some of the things that you, you picked up from Angus? I'm sort of probing you here, but you must have learned something wrong because, or something stuck with you because you came back, obviously, and you've, you've continued your training career and it's been quite successful. So I guess as a young man, what were you, were you looking at ways in which he was training horses? Were you looking at, you know, we, we talk a lot about systems uh, these days with trainers, these big trainers. They've all got systems and patterns. And, I mean, really... In my mind, whilst we might have things like electronic tracking systems and this and that, the the basics of training hasn't really changed for a long, 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 long time. It's sort of you, you can't reinvent the wheel. So was there anything in particular you picked up from your time there at Angus? No, not that I could sort of um, pinpoint. Um, remember, I, I was there as a strapper. I wasn't standing beside Angus in the uh, clock tower. No. <laughs> and uh, I was at the back mucking out boxes and... Uh, looking after the horses, but, you know, you you talk about systems, and systems are basically routines, and and I guess they're the things that you learn um, um, as you go along, and, um, you know, you really, at the time, probably don't appreciate sort of that um, you're gaining that knowledge, but um, they're just stepping stones that you pick up along the way, and, and I guess they become part of your system in the long term. What about going back to Hay, then? What was the, the reason for that move? I'd, I'd, look, I didn't like Melbourne at all. I couldn't um, couldn't handle the city life. And um, so we moved back to uh, Hay. We ended up, oh, I bought a sports store there. And, um, and then really? Trained, and then trained as a hobby. And um, that was quite successful and um, probably the worst business decision I've ever made, but the best lifestyle decision I made was to sell the sports store and go full-time training. What type of sports stores? Are we talking, you know, like running shoes and sporting equipment? Yeah, general sport and um, with a big focus on um, firearms and ammunition. You see a lot of um, Victorians going up um, to the hay and beyond shooting. Actually, um, Stan Aiken and Paul Jarman were regular pig shooters up in hay and uh, they're up there quite often. Yeah, that's insane. unbelievable. Ron, we're, we're chatting with Ron Stubbs uh, this morning on our Monday's Experts. So when you jumped into full-time horse training, where were you based? Where were you positioning yourself? I was in Hay, and yep. um, we just had a handful of horses there. And um, actually then um, I made the decision sort of I'd um, you know, go full-time training and um, actually... Uh, a couple of horses to Canterbury and oh, I spent about three months there actually and um, that was a fantastic learning curve and um, 
we stayed there until the stewards told, told us we had to go home. And um, so we moved back to Hay then. I took the horses back to Hay and then I made the call sort of that um, I'd either move to Albury or Wagga. And um, at the time I chose Albury, not for any particular reason, and just been here ever since. Yeah. What about the time in at Canterbury? So what was... I, I didn't know that part of your story. So you you trained how many... Three horses in Canterbury? And what was the uh, reason took, for that? Yeah, took two horses up there. That's just... Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I guess I was young and sort of, you know, wanted to check the world and you know, we'd just go and um, see it. And um, actually, we stayed with a trainer at Canterbury, Theo Jacobson, and um, he was fantastic to us. And uh, yeah, so we, um, I don't think we got a winner when we were there, but we got a couple of placings, and that's a big thrill for us at the time. What did you learn? Well, actually, um, you know, so when I was saying, um, I didn't stand beside um, Angus Armanisco. I certainly stood beside Theo. And, um, yeah, and um, look, he's a fantastic conditioner of horses, a great feeder, and his horses all, always look extremely well. And uh, I think that's something I really did take from him. And I guess then, why did you choose Albury? So you spent that time at Canterbury and you've come back. Why did you choose Albury? Well, I was basically going to be Wagga or Albury. Um, and there wasn't a particular reason. Um, yeah, just, um, yeah, we just, nothing specific there. I think we just, you know, landed on Albury and just decided to do it. I didn't realise this either, Ron. And we're chatting with Ron Stubbs this morning on our Monday's Experts program that Donna Scott actually um, worked for you for a period of time. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly, in the early days in Albury, yeah. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Uh, yeah, we would have had, um, I don't know, 30 or 40 horses at one point in um, in work. And, uh, yeah, Donna was with us. Yeah. I think she was doing all the, all the racehorse management side of things, like the running of the office. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was involved in just about everything there. And uh, Graham, her father, he had some horses with us. So, um, yeah, it's... It was, um, they were good days. Yeah, they certainly were. I mean, let's talk about training in Albury. You've seen, obviously, racing change a lot. When you first arrived to what it is now, what are some of the, the biggest changes? Oh, gee, look, as far as New South Wales is concerned, it's a standalone sort of, um, you know, your highways, your country championships, your Kosciuskos, your boost races. And now I see there's another new um, $50,000 race coming in in near future as well. Like, they're extraordinary races for country trainers. And, um, you know, it's made a huge difference and a big impact. And I think, um, particularly through the country championships, you just see the quality of horses growing every year. And uh, there's no reason why that won't just keep uh, keep happening. Yeah. Uh, some of your big highlights, I mean, you've won, obviously, some, some big races in that part of the world. But have you got any memorable ones? Uh I guess uh, you know two standout locally would be uh, two Albury Cup wins. Um, I guess one which is sort of left field, which is really stuck in our mind, is uh, we won a hurdle race in Adelaide. Um, that was a fantastic win and a fantastic trip. Um, but um, yeah, I guess they'd be the three standouts. How come you never went to Canberra? Your uh, your brother was the chief executive there, wasn't he, for many, many years? Nearly 50 years, wasn't it, Peter? Uh, well, no, it was 50, but quite a while. But he was actually CEO at Albury, too. But, uh, um, 
I was training before he um, moved here, but and then he moved here, and um, uh, he's with Australia Post, and uh, but he ended up being the CEO at Aubrey while I was training here, and then he moved to Canberra from here. Mm. That because uh, I was reading an article last night that when he retired, you, you did take a horse there to try and win a race on his final day, but it was with no success. Yeah, we took three actually, and uh, no, we, um, that that plan didn't work. <laughs> Tell us about now uh, gaining horses compared to in yesteryear. So obviously, uh, in yesteryear, you hear of you know obviously. You position yourself in in Albury, and I speak. I'm chatting with Ron Stubbs this morning. If you've just joined us, by the way, on Sky Sports Radio, that's the voice you're hearing on the phone. But Ron, you get to Albury, you start building your stable. I'm presuming back then, getting horses in the stable was much different to now. And you do seem to have, though, a lot of uh, not what I call old money, but a lot of uh, a lot of your owners have been with you for many, many years. Yeah, look, I um, I I go training away for oh, 20 years and yeah. uh, and then when I came back and you know we just um and yeah you know, I didn't come back with any high aspirations I just um you know thought we'd sort of have a few and enjoy it and um and then um you know some old clients came back on board and it sort of you know keeps growing and um you know, it's just been fantastic and fantastic to have that loyalty I was going to ask, well, that was my next question. You did give away training, and a lot of people mightn't know that, um, that are listening, that might have just been sort of, you know, on the listening to the wireless for the last couple of years. They would have heard your name, Cozzies, you know, here and there, and country championships. When you did give it away, what was the catalyst for it? I was only young at the time, and actually I had a young family and, um, and a mortgage. And, um, gee, the mortgage was hard to pay uh, training racehorses. And um, and you had no free time at all with the uh, with the kids. And um, in the end, I thought, oh no, it's just you know, it's just too hard. So um, I think we gave it away for about twenty years. And um, my daughter, she went through pony club and um, and then started eventing. And I actually evented with her and um, loved it. And um, and then uh, she started riding track work for Brett Kavner. And I thought, oh, well, if she's riding track work, I might keep one and she can ride for me. And um, so it snowballed from there. It started from that. Uh, what did you do in your time away from racing? Uh, I worked in the transport industry. Actually, I worked for uh, uh, Fred Green, who um, at the time he uh, actually got involved with races, uh, sorry, with racehorses um, while I was training the first time. And... Um, um, actually, uh, some friends of his uh, brought a horse, Will the Girl, and um, put him in just to try and get him involved. And, and she went on and uh, won uh, one in Sydney and one in Melbourne. And um, sort of so he was, he was hooked then. And um, he sort of built up quite a team. And um, actually, he's also part of the syndicate in Stockwell Stud in, in uh, Melbourne. And they actually raced uh, Beach Chevelle and won the Cox Plate with him. What did you learn? And this mightn't be a question you can answer, but I find it really interesting. I think sometimes racing's in a bubble. It's not just racing; it's it's nearly everything. It doesn't matter what you do; you always are in you're in a bubble, of so to speak. So, when a person like yourself grows up, you, know, you leave Hay, you move to Melbourne, you then come back. You're in the horse racing game. You then leave racing. 
to go and work in another industry. Uh, when you've come back, I know it would have been obviously different because you sort of it was a slow build, snowball from them. But did you learn anything from that outside world that you've brought back to racing? And you know, maybe sort of coming at it from a business perspective here. Oh, definitely from a business point of view. Um, well, actually, when I um, training originally, uh, computers were very um, new on the scene, and um, you know I don't think they would have been used at all, sort of I mean, in the um, office procedures then. And um, and I guess, you know, outside of um, horses, that was one thing that really helped. Uh, I uh, I just worked on computers continuously, sort of in the uh, business side of it, and uh, did courses, etc. And um, do that skill sort of paying dividends now. Mm. Do you, um, as a, as a trainer, we see some trainers these days heavily relying on you know the e-tracker which uh, for those listening is you know um uh, you know all that sort of timing uh, via gps and you can be analyzing heart rates and recovery rates etc um and we see a real heavy technology um for moving into racing or are you more of the old school approach you're all about the eye and and i guess the natural feeling because it sounds like you know when you're talking about then you're doing eventing with horses you're growing up around horses so to speak You've got an eye, an understanding of knowing what you're looking at and dealing with. Yeah, look, I guess I'm very much old school in that sense, but um, with a very open mind. And uh, look, not that we've done it, but um, I think we really have to take the next step and um, get involved with sort of modern technology. Um, I'm a regular watcher of Landline on a Sunday afternoon and um, just amazes me the uh, progress in technology that's happened in the rural scene. Mm. When you look at the racing scene, and that's minute. And um, I think we've got to take advantage of anything we can. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing racing? Well, I guess, um, yeah, participants, as far as the public's concerned, um, you know, that um, really... Like uh, I guess betting's the backbone of racing, and um, yeah, look, I'm not a punter at all, but um, you know we have to rely on it. We have to provide the product, and um, and you know, that's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, a lot of people get in trouble through it, and you hate to see that. But you know, racing's got to sort of keep pushing it, and um, you know, just get that good result where hopefully it's not doing any harm to anybody. Do you find you've had any, uh, in recent times, staff issues? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, we go through cycles there. We're very, very lucky at the moment. We're very stable and um, um, it's all going quite smoothly. But, um, you yeah, people move on and uh, that's always going to happen. And um, gee, years ago you had advertised for staff members and they'd be lined up at the gate. And now you advertise and you're lucky to get a reply. Yeah, so it's just one of those things that just continues to, to be a battle. Oh, exactly, and it seems to be across all sectors, not just the racing industry. And um, I don't think the racing industry helps itself either. I know um, gee, uh, when my daughter was at Pony Club, and it was only a small Pony Club in Albury, but um, the number of racing people that have come out you know, from that, um, well, those few years that we were there, um, it uh, is amazing, and uh, I don't think racing sort of helps Pony Club and Newt's that enough. Um, there's a huge opening there, and um, 
But um, you'd like to see that happen in the future. You certainly would. Ron, what about just a couple? Because uh, a couple of questions. You've been around the game a very long time. First off, individually, the best horse you've ever trained, in your opinion? I spun Largo. Mm. Um, yeah, he won an open handicap in, at Flemington. He won the Albury Cup. He has placed numerous times at Flemington for us. Um, and, um, yeah, I'd um, certainly put him on top. Spun Largo. Uh, he, now he's retired. Obviously, he's retired. He's 12. Is he still around? Have you ever seen him recently? Do we know where he is? Or he hasn't yeah, passed away, has yes. he? Uh, no, he's, um, we found a fantastic home for him. He's at CSU University in Wagga. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, life of leisure there. Uh, look, he's uh, looked after by, oh, I don't know how many students, but... Um, he, he loves it. <laughs> the, yeah, no, he's, um, he's um, a teaching tool for them. Uh, you know, horse anatomy, and um, I think he does some treadmill work and just general low-key things, but, um, you know, it gives him that um, little bit of exercise. But, uh, no, look, we couldn't be happier where he is. I know you said you're not a punting man, but the day he won the Albury Cup at $41, was there something a little bit? Did you have a little five or a tenner or something a little bit more or so? someone in the family? Surely, because uh, that was a big day for you, wasn't it? Yeah, no, um, I, I didn't. And um, Look, I'm not interested in that side. When I say not interested in that side of it, sort of a, you know, if an owner wants to, I'm more than happy to help um, you know, him to try and get the end results. But, um, oh, look, I just said it's just um, another pressure point and uh, we don't need those. I'm happy yeah. just to get the horse ready and take it to the races. And... I, I, I do like that, though, Ron, and I, I think that's really um, interesting what you've said. Like, if, if you're an owner or if you're someone connected with the horse that's very close that is wanting to invest, you can make a recommendation or you can... You, look, you can at least give a recommendation on how you feel as though the horse is at that current point of its prep or its particular run. I think that's important. But yourself individually, yeah, you've, you, we look, you're racing for some prize money yourself. You've got enough pressure. So I think that is really interesting because you will get some trainers that uh, that aren't interested in um, that information or that, that, you know, having a bet or whatnot, which is, it's an individual right for everybody. But then obviously... The information might not filter through to owners or, or those, you know, paying the bills if they want to have a bet. And I think that's that's very important that you that, that you highlight that. Very important for your business. Yeah. No, no, no. Look, it's their horse, and um, and I think you know we lose sight of that so often. And um, you know, it's um, I don't know how we could overcome it, but um, you uh, you see people win races, or um, and the focus is on the jockey, and the focus is on the trainer. And the poor owners, he's paying all the money and providing the horse, and um, and um, he seems to be in the background. What about the best jockey you've seen in your time of training? Oh, gee, best one I've seen. Uh, well, Lester Pickett was <laughs> rode at Albury on his farewell tour, so you'd have to put him on top. But, um, gee, in the country, um, no, I don't think you go past Matthew Carl. Yeah, he of course won. He won that cup for you on Spun Lager. He did. He did. Yes. Yeah. And he's a lovely rider and um, and a fantastic person to boot. Mm. Uh, what about the best horse you've seen in general? Not necessarily uh, with your own eyes, but you've just seen in in our racing game. Who do you think? Um, oh, you've got to put Winks on top. 
But yeah, um, yeah gee, I, um, but saying that, um, that'll loosen up. Um, he was owned in Albury. He spent time at uh, our stables at different times and um, got a real soft spot for him. And he was just like he is a horse that um, just had to win. He, he knew nothing else. He just wouldn't let another horse go past him. Yeah. Isn't it amazing yet, those animals that are just that, you know, that tenacious will to win? Uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, the more you have to do with them, the, the more their, you know, their personality is highlighted to you. And, um, yeah, they're true sportsmen. Uh, how often do we see good AFL players and, or not good players, potentially champion players don't make it? And then you have the fellow that does the hard yards and he gets to the top and, and I think horses are so similar. Uh, two more bef- before I let you go. The one race you'd love to win before you uh, retire again, so to speak? Um, well, I could go the obvious and say the Cox Plate, but in reality, <laughs> I'm not going to get a starter. So, uh, hey, well, you never know. You never know what's around the corner. You don't know that. The uh, the Wagga Cup's a holy grail in the Riverina. Yep. And, yeah, look, I'd love to win that. Okay. Wagga Cup. Hopefully we see our stumps winning it. And my last yeah. and final question, I always ask all of my guests this on a Monday. If you were standing in front of an 18-year-old Ron Stubbs, what advice would you give him? Yeah, probably don't train. <laughs> That's what Richard Friedman said. Don't become a horse trainer. Oh, go, go, dear. Go administration. Go in administration like Peter and get the cash. That's right. Yeah. Ron, pleasure to talk to you, mate. Uh, I, you know, we spoke last week when I was in Albury. We may see you lining up in the Kosciuszko. Uh, of course, in October, if uh, your horse, Bianco Volano, is selected. And look forward to you hopefully holding that Wagga Cup trophy. That would be pretty special for you. Uh, great. Thanks very much, Dave. Pleasure to speak to you. Cheers. Ron Stubbs this morning on Monday's Experts.